0: Welcome back. My name is Lynn Wilson and welcome to Hope for Today. I plan on giving you some hope, just a a little nugget of wisdom. uh, As I like to think about when the Lord whispers things to me, He whispers wisdom in my ear. And the last week, the last 10 days, I've had a wonderful time away with my family. You know, it, you have to get away sometimes. You ever feel like that? You need to do something different than your normal. You need to break away from the everyday. It becomes mundane and, you know, the routine and things like that. You have to break away from that to enjoy the everyday. Does that make sense? you got to get away from the everyday so you can enjoy the everyday. And I think many times that, you know, even like if I've been at work all day, I really miss my husband. If my kids are in school, I've missed my kids. You know, you just had a little breather, you love them, but you know, just even yourself, I'm sure that my spouse is like, oh, she's been at work, good, I get a break. We all need that break from each other because we're human and we can kind of wear in each other's nerves a little bit and, but then when you see them at the end of the day, you're refreshed, you're happy to see them. think it's the same thing when you go on vacation and you get away from work you get away from other people you miss them while you're away but when you come back you're just like oh wow i'm so glad to be back it feels so good to get back into routine and all of that it's just amazing and i think even in our own spiritual walk i find myself sometimes now i'm being honest with you here i don't know maybe you don't go through this but just reading the word is sometimes like "Ugh." you know i just don't get as much out of it or even my prayer life feels a little stale or you know you hear the same message on a Sunday and you're like oh I don't know if I want to hear the pastor again and I get myself in a bit of a spiritual rut and I get you know kind of like that mundane feeling and yet, if I had to work on a Sunday and then I go back the following Sunday, sometimes I've worked two or three Sundays in a row, and then when I go back to church, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to be here. The praise and worship is even that much better. And the pastor's message, no matter what it's on, is it's so much better. I think we need to take time to find some refreshment, however we need to do that, so that we can enjoy those things and make those things sweet to us again. And I don't have all the answers on that. I don't I don't have a list to say, if you follow these 10 things, this will do it. And I think it's different for everyone. Our personalities are different. What inspires me might not inspire you. Uh, for me, taking a day away from something, sometimes all I need is a day away and I'm good to go. And other people are like, oh no, I need at least a week. So everybody's different. And I think when it comes to our own spiritual walk, we have to learn to recognize when we're not where we should be. We need to recognize when we're not in tune to what God wants us to be doing, what we know we've been called to do, what he's been laying on our heart. If the Bible is becoming old and mundane to you, I change it up for me. Maybe I'm not really good at reading in the morning. The after late afternoons, early evening is really the best time for me, especially when I'm working that day. Uh, If I'm not and I'm off that day, sometimes I'll do it in the morning, sometimes afternoon, just depends. And even my prayer life, things like that, I have to change it up once in a while. If I find that my prayer life is becoming stale and kind of mundane, I'll just start praising the Lord. And I'll tell you, I will again be honest, I don't feel like praising the Lord all the time. And I say that kind of feeling like I'm supposed to almost hide saying that. The Lord already knows my heart and my mind. I don't feel like praising Him. Not that I don't love Him, I just don't feel like it. I just, plain and simple, don't feel like it. But I do it anyway. And the more I do it, I find that the Lord uses that because He asks us and He tells us to do that. And I do it. And I, I do it almost routinely or rit- ritualistically. And I, the more I do it, all of a sudden I start to soften and I start to realize Yes, Lord, I do want to praise your name. Yes, Lord, I do want to tell you that I love you. And it changes my heart. It changes my attitude. And again, with the same thing reading the Bible, if it becomes old and boring to you, maybe use a different devotional. Maybe um, change it the time of day you're doing it. Uh, Sometimes the same old, same old is just the same old, same old. You know what I'm saying on that? And if you're getting bored with church, Oh, I don't know what to tell you on that one. That's between you and the Lord and if you're in the right place. But sometimes even just that committing it to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm really struggling going every Sunday. I'm not really getting anything out of the message. If your heart is right and you're telling the Lord, Lord, I really want to do what's right. I really want to serve well. I want to encourage people. I want to be there and focus on what you want me to hear. Lord, how do I change this? Ask him to bring that to you. I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you it always goes back to the Lord. And being off the last 10 days gave me a fresh perspective on my job, my family, uh, my business that I run and own at home, just my life with my extended friends and family where I wanna go in life. I always love going away because I get a, just a clean slate like, okay, Lynn, what is it we're gonna do now? Like I I start over again in a lot of ways and I really like that. Uh, for me, I sit down and make lists and I get my notebook out and I get my calendar out. And I start writing all this down. And I find that when I pull away on vacation, whether it's a day a vacation day or a vacation week or whatever it might be, it allows me to unplug and clear my brain if you're working all the time you're taking care of the family and running your home and taking care of possibly kids or grandchildren or being in involved in ministry or church all those things if you're doing all of those things you know yourself that you can um be so bogged down like you're always you know driving in the car and you're thinking of the next thing All right, I got to go to church. And then after I leave there, I got to go, I got to call so and so and I got to do one. And you've got this to do list running in your head. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know what I mean. But when you take a break away from those things, it kind of clears the brain. And one thing that I have found this week, the Lord really spoke to me. And it's an, I don't know. I don't know. Am I the only one that He does this to? He puts these random thoughts in my head. And I kind of want to say, now, where did that one come from? You ever have that the Lord lays somebody on your heart and you haven't seen them in 10 years and you're like, what? What in the world? I do that sometimes when I dream. Somebody will be in my dream and it'll be an odd dream. And I'm like, why am I dreaming about that person? And I don't know, but they're still in my head when I wake up and I just pray. I don't know. But one of the things, there's some things that have been going on in my own personal life with family and friends and church and ministry and my my horizons or, you know, you kind of see things over the horizon and I see things that God is opening up for me to do and things he wants me to be involved in. And sometimes I'm happy about it and other times I'm like, oh, I lord really do you really want me over there i don't feel like doing that i don't want to work with that person or whatever the case might be but i'm glad the lord kind of gives me a little insight to that because if my heart isn't right it allows me to work on me and say lynn time out time out girlfriend what's your problem if god is asking you to do that you have No reason to have a list of excuses why you can't be doing this. If he wants you there, you've got something to bring to the table. Well, one of the things, like I mentioned, these random thoughts. When I was probably about 12 years old, one thing I've always loved is I loved watching people. I love listening to people. I love analyzing why they say or why they do what they do, even as a young child. I was the kid that would sit at the dinner table with all the adults and just listen. Not because I was nosy, I just was intrigued with why people say what they do and I would watch their personality and how they would respond. I just find that fascinating. And I remembered being 12 years old and the pastor in front of the church said in ministry, you always need to have a tear in the corner of your eye. And I was like, "Hmm. Now, I'm 12 years old. I'm a kid. What do I know? Not even a teenager yet. Have no idea of ever getting into ministry. That wasn't even on the forefront of my mind. My in that 12 years old, you're just still worrying about junior high and are you going to make it to high school and all the rest. But I remember that <laughs> phrase. And I remembered going up to him and asking him, Pastor, his name was Pastor Jack Fedelin, and I said, Pastor, Pastor Fedelin, what, what do you mean by that? It didn't make any sense to me. Have a tear in the corner of your eye. And he said, if we ever lose sight when God asks us to serve in ministry and we see people saved and we don't get a tear in the corner, corner of our eye, and have like that tender moment of somebody just got saved, you're in trouble. He says, if you're ever going to serve the Lord and somebody comes to you with a really, you know, troubled heart and you can't weep with them, you can't feel with them, he said, and have a tear in the corner of of your eye, you're in trouble. He said, if anyone ever comes to you and they're really excited about some great, wonderful news that God is doing in their life and you don't have that tear of, happy tear, but a tear in the corner of your eye to rejoice with him, he said, something's wrong. And I never forgot that. It was one of those things that I never forgot. I thought it was a bit odd the way he said it. And it never really hit home with me until I got older. And I think sometimes when I was younger, I was... um, I come from a Scottish-German background. And we can be very tough cookies. You know, the British aren't ones to hug and the German can be very, you know, straightforward. And I would not say we're a very empathetic and sympathetic personality person. And the Lord really had to work on me with that because I just really struggled with that. Not that I didn't feel for you, but everything for me was a very matter of fact. and I. You know, that's wonderful. Oh, that's great news. Someone got saved. It was almost like I would check it off on a box. I don't know how to explain that. And I had to learn to think about the fact, I was just sharing it with a co-worker, that in Romans 5, 12, 15, Romans 12, um, chapter 12, verse 15 in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And it's one of those verses you hear all the time, and in the last several years, it really has struck a nerve with me that I need to rejoice with those who rejoice, and I need to mourn with those who mourn. And I think my personality type, and I don't know, maybe you're the same way, if it's something that we have in common, it's easy for me to rejoice with you. If it's something I know and understand, it's easy for me to mourn with you. But when you're happy about something that doesn't really connect in my own world, I find it hard to rejoice with you because it just doesn't fit my brain, my personality, and all the rest. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I really had to kind of take a vacation take some time away and allow this verse to penetrate my brain and to ask the lord to lord help help me understand this verse and it really came back to what that pastor said always have a tear in the corner of your eye yesterday my son was um my son is a full-time pastor For those of you that don't know, our oldest son is a pastor, and he was on a missions trip. They went to Brazil, and they got back on Tuesday to find out that the lead pastor, the head pastor of their church, had a death in the family, and he needed to leave. Go to the funeral, do all those things. And he said to my son, who wasn't scheduled to preach this Sunday, I need you to fill in. Now, my son had to fly home from Brazil and there was a whole mix up on flights. Needless to say, it was a 30 hour return trip from the time they left to the time they got home. 30 hours. Four different airports, having to rent a car. It was a mess. You know how you would feel. Exhausted. And then to be greeted with, can you preach on Sunday? He has four days to pull this together. On top of that, his normal pastoral duties in the church, life groups that he has, youth group that he helps run, all the rest, do all the normals, you know, fill the refrigerator up with food because they've been gone for 10 days, all this, and now prepare a sermon for Sunday. And the particular passage they're doing a series was probably, if not the most difficult passage to have to share on a Sunday morning. If it wasn't the most difficult, it was next in line and my son looked at me and i said well the one thing i can tell you if you can get through that passage you can get through anything so we kind of chuckled about it but i decided you know what i really need to go and support him in this so we decided to go to church with him first thing in the morning at nine o'clock then we shot over to our church and we went there at eleven o'clock then after that we had our vacation bible school preliminary meetings, so we didn't get home until about 3.30 in the afternoon, and I was tired, tuckered out, and worn out. And I found myself at church, kind of doing the thing, you know, you do the check the box, went here, checked the next one, went there, greeted this one, you know, all the routine. And I got home and I, the Lord reminded me, do you realize you were just on a week's vacation and you were just reflecting on how refreshed you are? And the first day you got to get back, you know, and hit the grind, all of a sudden you fall right back into that routine of checking off the boxes. And the Lord just very gently reminded me, Lynn, you need to slow down and you need to rejoice and mourn with those that need to rejoice and those that need to mourn. And I was like, you know, Lord, you're absolutely right. I know you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I need to not allow myself to get caught up in the busyness of life, the busyness of ministry. If you serve in ministry, you know what I mean. You can be busy in ministry and you could do all the right things. I can get up and speak to a woman's group and I can do the podcast and I can serve here, there and everywhere and be checking off the boxes. But if your heart is not in the right place, And that's only something that you and the Lord know. You're not fully rejoicing and mourning when you should be, as the Bible says in the book of Romans. We have an event. We have several events here at Keswick, where I work, at America's Keswick. And our executive um, director, our CEO, will come in and he'll say, Guess what? Eight people got saved today. And I need to stop and catch myself and not just check off a box. Oh, good. Eight people got saved today. No, no, no. Eight people got saved today. I'm just getting choked up thinking about it. Do I have a tear in the corner of my eye to realize that eight people are now not spending a life of eternity in hell? Do I truly rejoice in the fact that they're not going to hell and celebrate with them? Celebrate with my 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 uh, my director, my president of our company, and and rejoice with him that eight people, one person, twenty people, whatever the number might be, to really think about the fact it's as if one person gets saved, the angels rejoice. What kind of an example do I set if I can't get excited over that? We need to be rejoicing when the pastor stands up and gives an invitation in church. Are you fervently praying and saying, Lord, speak to that heart? And you know that, in a sense, mourning with that, that person that's not saved and saying, you know, Lord, speak to their heart and just pouring your heart and soul into it. Have you lost the tear in the corner of your eye? Do you, have you lost that, are you doing the routine stuff? Are you checking off the boxes? Are you just praying? Are you just reading your Bible? Are you just serving? Are you just going to church? Are you just, are you just? Or have you taken some time to refresh your own spiritual walk here, refresh your mind, your body, your soul, everything? You know, if we don't eat food today, physically, we're just drained. If I haven't, drank a glass of water or two today, I'm going to be dehydrated. What are we not doing spiritually that we need to regroup and feed ourselves that food that we need and, and give ourselves that fresh water that we need so that we can be clear headed and excited and looking for things that God is doing and rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourn with those who are mourning. You can't always be... The perfect person for every situation, but you can rejoice and you can mourn and you can commit it to the Lord and ask the Lord to be with that person. Lord, oh, just Lord, I'm so excited for so-and-so. I don't fully understand what's going on, but I know they're excited. And Lord, I'm just excited for them. I see their excitement for whatever you're doing in their life. And Lord, I want to pray for them. and I want to commit them to you, that you will just continue to just minister in their life. Or if somebody is just really going through some tough times, some hard waters, Lord, I don't fully understand it. And Lord, I, I'm having a hard time grasping the the depth of what they're feeling. But Lord, I want to mourn with them. I want to be able to, to help them, to feel for them. And again, you can't always immerse yourself completely in the situation, but you can mourn with them and you can have a heart for them where you've committed them to the Lord and you've committed it to the Lord. And Lord, help me to be there for them. Lord, what is my part in this? Maybe your part is praying for them. Maybe the Lord will the next day reveal maybe you could be doing something for them. When is the last time you rejoiced with someone? When is the last time you mourned with someone? When someone comes up to you this Sunday and tells you, Hey, I've got something great. I want to tell you, are you going to be excited along with them? Even if it doesn't fit into your box, doesn't matter. The Bible says rejoice with them and mourn with them. So go back and read Romans 12, 15. I challenge you to do that this week and maybe take some time away and change things up, how you do things in your spiritual life so that you can really always be refreshed and ready to serve at a moment's notice and to rejoice with people, to mourn with people, and to have that tear in the corner of your eye. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am glad you're here. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend a few minutes to see what God wants us to learn today. We will catch you all on the next podcast.